Where charity and love are, there is God. Amen. Our second lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians, uh, the last few verses of chapter 4 and the first verse of chapter 5. We continue to open our hearts and hear God's word. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the word of the Lord. There is a sign that hangs in a prominent place in my study in this building. It hangs on a bookshelf right in front of my desk. And the sign says this, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. (laughs) Now that phrase has become important to me, an important reminder about how to live. It's an important reminder as I seek to be a busy pastor in a vibrant downtown church. It's a reminder to me as I seek to carry on in my role as a spouse, as a parent. It's a reminder to me as I seek to live as a 21st century middle-aged man in a very complicated culture. It's a reminder to me in whatever role I'm in about what should shape my life. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. See, what happens is we often fret and worry about that which is beyond our control. We often focus on things that are too often of secondary importance. And we get trapped in our burdens, weighed down by things on our heart, losing sight of what is central and crucial to life and life's fulfillment especially as we claim ourselves as God's own, especially as we seek to live following Jesus' call to follow, especially as we seek to live in the power of God's Spirit that is promised and covering us. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It may sound trite, it might feel like a cliche, but it's been a helpful phrase for me. So what is the main thing? What is it? Yesterday in the Richmond Times-Dispatch Faith and Values column, there was an article by a woman who reminds us how easy it is to get caught up in thinking like our culture. That it's easy to think that the main thing is to be successful. The main thing is to be the best. Is that the main thing? Well, we have to make straight A's, we have to climb the ladder, we have to overachieve and succeed. 
But as the author of that article points out, we might master all the rules, we might find ourselves with the greatest grades or in the perfect position that we've been striving for, and then we realize that we're living without compassion or purpose or wholeness or hope, and we know we've gotten off track on what is successful. We might think that it's about being the best, she argues, the smartest, the most achieving, but when, as she says, her daughter is classified as uh, learning disabled, everything takes on a different focus, and success then gets redefined. So what is the main thing? Ever since the earliest pages of Holy Scripture here, the main thing has been life with God. Living life in close proximity to God. Not racing off on our own. Not doing whatever we want. Not impressing others. But life lived in covenant relationship with the creator of the universe. The living God. That's what the Bible says is the main thing. Can you hear this today? On this 10th day of June in 2012. Can we hear this? Psalm 90 reminds us again, Lord, you have been our dwelling place from all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or, or the world was born for, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90 says this, so teach us to number our days so we can gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so we can keep the main thing, the main thing. Thursday of this week, I got a telephone call from William Roan. William is the kind man who operates the parking deck at the close of every day. He comes in around 5 o'clock and stays there until the deck is closed, usually 7. But if we have meetings at the church, it's later than that. So William is the nice man who takes your ticket if you've been to a meeting at the church on some evening. William is the nice man who waves you out of the deck as you leave from Wednesday worship or some other downtown gathering. William is also, as you may know, fighting a tough battle with cancer, which is eating away his body. So I don't usually get telephone calls from William. So when he called on Thursday, I knew he had something important to say to me. He said, Alec, will you pray with me? He wanted me to pray on the phone. I said, of course, William. And after a long pause, I said, what would you like to pray for? William and I often talk about prayer and faith. He likes to talk about God and his faith. And almost invariably when I'm driving out, we have a brief conversation. But I hadn't seen William in the last couple of days, and I didn't know how William was doing. What should we pray for, William? William said in his wise and patient way, Pray that God's will will be done. That's all that matters, William said. William often helps me remember what the main thing is. 
He's struggling against cancer. He's seeking to get through another day, trusting God, giving his life to God's purposes, living in close proximity to God. That's what life's about. So we prayed over the phone. I prayed. He thanked me. We said we would see each other soon. Then I told him about the verse that I was preaching on this Sunday. That verse from chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, verse 16. It's written in your bulletin right under the sermon title, So We Do Not Lose Heart. I said, this is what I'm preaching on this Sunday, William. We do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. That's what I'm preaching on, William, this Sunday. I wanted you to know that and think about that. He says, you know what? It's not that our outer nature is just wasting away and our inner nature is being renewed day by day. He says our inner nature is being renewed minute by minute. He said, we have a good God and God holds us. See, the main thing is keep the main thing the main thing. We belong to God. Our lives are held by God. There's nowhere we can go when God's not with us. Nowhere. We're to rest in God's loving care and God's abiding will. God is our dwelling place. And all of this, then, is the context for that little passage from Paul, from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, about not losing heart. The context is about not losing heart and living life with God no matter what we're facing. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed. Even though we're struggling with life circumstances, God is at work. We belong to God. This is the context of this passage. Well, I was thinking about this sermon and thinking about the emphasis of this sermon, and I was thinking this would be about not losing heart. And this sermon, I figured, would be focusing on this word heart. And the Greek word heart is really important. It's about the essence of our being and not losing that no matter what we're facing. That word heart in Greek is about the seat of our emotions, the soul of who we are. And we don't want to lose heart no matter what we're dealing with. And this sermon would be about that, that word, England. But you know what? The word heart is not even in this passage. Losing heart is a paraphrase in this this, uh, passage. It's a paraphrase, and I'm not even sure it's the best paraphrase. The real Greek word in this sentence is long, and it's kind of hard to pronounce, so I'm not going to try it. And it gets translated, we do not lose heart. Or in other places, it gets translated, we do not grow weary. Or in other places, it gets translated, we are not depressed. Or in other places, it says, we are not giving up. And all those translations are similar, and they're helpful, and they're good, encouraging words for us. But you know what the word in this passage actually means verbatim? The real Greek word has to do with not neglecting our duty. 
Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 4.16, we do not neglect our duty. It's the same word used at the very beginning of this chapter in 4 verse 1. So loved by God, we do not neglect our duty. God is our dwelling place. We do not neglect our duty. So covered by God's care, we do not neglect our duty. And what's our duty? What is our duty? To live in close proximity to God. To trust God in every moment. To keep the main thing the main thing. Never forget God's love. Never forget God's care. Never forget God's presence. It's all about God's will for our lives, as William says, and the truth. Nothing can separate us from God's love. So, and this is especially for those seniors graduating, it's not about success, really. It's not about making lots of money, really. It's not about trying to make everything perfect so your life can be a total and complete joy. It's not about any of that. It's about life with God, our duty. Life with God, in God's presence. Confident of God's promises. Not losing heart. And not neglecting our duty. We know our outer nature is wasting away. We know that. If we don't know it, we're missing the signs, aren't we? We're missing the signs. Recently, when I look in the mirror, I don't see my face anymore. I see my father's face. When I look in the mirror, I see the slump of my father's shoulders on my own body. When I look in the mirror, I see that extra skin that accumulated on my father's face flapping around on mine. It's there. We can't miss it. I might get enticed to all those luring options that are available to me so that my outer nature doesn't waste away. I might. But Paul says it's not about your outer nature. Right? It's the inner nature. Our lives with God. That's what matters. That's what matters, friends. We cannot neglect our duty. It's life with God that deserves our attention. It's our lives glorifying God and enjoying God forever. That's the chief end in life, according to the catechism. Sometimes we do grow weary. Sometimes when hard things come our way, we find ourselves discouraged. We do. Even depressed. Even beat down. But we don't lose heart. Better, we don't neglect our duty. God is our dwelling place. We rest in that news. We keep the main thing the main thing. We trust that God will not let us go, not ever. Our temporary minor problems, he says, here Paul says, are producing an eternal stockpile in glory. We don't focus on the things that can be seen, but we focus on what cannot be seen, on God. On God who lives and reigns forever beyond cancer, beyond heartache, beyond the number of our years, beyond the pains that we can name today or tomorrow, beyond sadness, beyond death even. We know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building not made with hands, but 
eternal from God. We abide, friends. We abide in God's everlasting care. That's the promise. That's the gospel. That's for our lives. So we do not neglect our duty. We live there in God's presence. And we keep living with and for God. Across the recent months, I wonder how many of us have been caught up in the Richmond Eagle Camp. This has been an unfolding story of two mature bald eagles named by a contest, James and Virginia. The Eagle Cam, if you've been keeping up, has been peering into their nest in a secret spot high in a tree above the James River. Two stately, majestic, regal eagles, two eggs laid, then two chicks hatched, R1 and R2, then the amazing and even horrifying images of real life in an eagle's nest and the viciousness of nature playing out in that nest for all to see. James and Virginia, the parents, bringing fish for the baby chicks, R1 and R2, and R1 stealing all the food and then pecking R2 almost to death. Then the cameras were taken down for fear of disturbing them. I think most of us were mostly disturbed. (laughs) But the story has only grown, and there have been more pictures and more developments, and both chicks actually growing. And then this week, there have been more pictures of these young birds getting out on the wing, getting out on the limb, and flapping their wings, and jumping, and then indeed flying off and even crashing and flying off again as they learn their nature to fly. What's the duty? What's the life of eagles? They fly. They catch fish. They have chicks. If one survives, great. The parents bring fish for the chicks. The chicks grow. If two chicks survive, it's a bonus. For them, the chicks then grow and get out on the wings and learn to fly themselves. And then they go off and they catch fish and they inspire us with their beauty and their regal and even their vicious behavior. Eagles. That's their duty, their lives. What's our duty? What is our life about? Paul reminds us, we do not lose heart. Better, neglect our duty. We don't neglect our duty. Our life is to be lived with God, to remain with God. Our outer nature may be wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. No, minute by minute. Our lives are held always in the goodness of God Life is not about just what we know. Life is about more. Life is not about just what we can name or just what we feel. Life is all enfolded in God's care. Life is not just the number of our days, but our belonging to God forever. 
We do not focus on what is seen, but on the eternal. Yes, on the here and now, but also on the beyond, on the forever. This is a statement for perspective and hope. It's gospel for our lives. Have you ever thought of someone, had them in your mind and in your heart, and then, and then the phone rings and you hear their voice? Have you ever woken up just before the alarm clock was supposed to go off? Have you ever emerged from a very difficult situation? And especially on looking back, you think, how did I survive that? Have you ever felt like you were lost in confusion, perplexed, and then all of a sudden someone said something or something happened and you had the clarity and the perspective that you had been desperate for? Have you ever seen something so simple, so routine, so common, so often, and then all of a sudden, in a certain moment, you see something new in that routine, mundane, frequent, and you see with such clarity, it's an epiphany, an epiphany, God's Spirit at work for you. I think all of these and more are reminders of what Scripture keeps wanting us to get. Get deep into our hearts and souls, our lives, ourselves, are part of a much bigger perspective, much bigger universe, much larger context. Lord, you have been our dwelling place from all generations. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so we may rejoice and be glad all our days, the psalmist says, so we do not lose heart. We do not neglect our duty. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day, minute by minute. See, we live with God. And it's not just for now, it's forever. That's the promise. Friends, may this text and these words and this hope and these promises and this gospel inspire all of us. We are held by God forever. And that news should affect how we live today should affect how we give with generosity, should affect how we love with generosity and conviction and care and commitment. May God's Spirit so touch our lives and fill our hearts and fill this sanctuary and fill this city and fill the whole world that we can be about life with God today and forever. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O oh God. Help our unbelief. Amen.